There's a song in my heart that sings to me. It fills me till I overflow. It takes me on butterfly wings everywhere I go. There's a song in me for happiness. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Warzniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida, Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now You Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Connecticut, my guest has an amazing and diverse client list that ranges from IBM to Madonna to actor Harvey Keitel and many, many more. Her CD is called Noisy Joy to the Bonehouse Blues. She did over 6,000 professional performances from age 15 onward. Among the vast media coverage she has received over the years are features on the Lifetime and ABC television networks and in the New York Times. She has done private and semi-private teaching of voice, piano, and songwriting. You've been hearing a song of hers called I Sing to Me. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Shari Max. Well, hello there, Bruce. I am very, very happy to be speaking with you. I was wondering if you would like to hear a little bit about the genesis of I Sing to Me. Well, actually, yes, thank you. We, uh, we always start off, uh, and, and this episode will, will be no different, with, with asking the guests to tell the listeners about the song of theirs that was playing during the intro. So yes, by all means, go ahead and, and talk about that song, I Sing to Me. Well, on Noisy Joy to the Bonehouse Blues, there are a lot of different kinds of songs, and two of them, including I Sing to Me, are from an, an animated children's film that I wrote with someone named Ruth Pleva. And the character that I did for children for many years, Princess Priscilla, the Lady Music Clown, uh, was the uh, star of this animated uh, feature. And she sings that song. And do you want to give some insight as far as, uh, because because I was talking over the song during the intro, just kind of what, what the song is about? Well, where she comes from first, this character is called Nethermaud. It's a fictitious place, of course. And Nethermaud, everyone wears gray, except on their birthdays, they can wear dark gray. (laughs) And uh, she's quite uh, sad about the fact that things are so gray in every way. And yet her internal life is very colorful and musical, and that's what keeps her going. So when she sings to herself, it helps her get through that dark time. And did you write that song exclusively by yourself, or was it co-written with anyone? Yeah, that was co-written with Ruth Pleva. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and so she was part of, of the bigger project then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. we did that together. Well, and, and so on your website homepage, and, and actually on, on the CD cover, it refers to uh, the CD being an original, eclectic, and exciting recording. It also mentions poems, story, and vocals. So just talk about that, the, the overall tone of the CD, because it would seem like you've got quite a, quite a, a, a vegetable soup there, if I'm using the right cliche. <laughs> uh, in, in other words, everything but the kitchen sink, or, or, or maybe it's better to say uh, a little something for everyone. Well, the title really says it all, Noisy Joy to the Bone House Blues. Each of those is the title of a song each is an original song that I wrote without any collaborator, Noisy Joy, um, as a response to my husband, who's gone almost six years now, uh, 
saying that he was so happy he couldn't die if he wanted to. That's a direct quote. <laughs> and uh, he asked about what is the opposite of uh, the quote. I think it's an Emerson quote. It might be Thoreau. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation. What's the opposite of quiet desperation? And I said noisy joy. And that was enough to trigger... <laughs> <laughs> the com composition, and I really wrote it with uh, my love for him at the forefront. And the other end of the gamut, the Bonehouse Blues, it's one of the uh, songs that I wrote after he passed away that helped me very much with my grieving process. And uh, the Bonehouse Blues, the Bonehouse is your is your body, and um, and I certainly had the blues, and I felt it very palpably, not just on an emotional level. So then it would be fair to say, I'm, I'm, I'm asking this, uh, even though it sounds like a statement, would it be fair to say that, that the CD then is kind of taking people on this journey of this man who went from being so joyful uh, to, you know, to, to, to what you just described at, at the end there, the, the Bonehouse Blues? <laughs> Um, I, I actually am not saying that. Um, I, what I'm saying is that the songs therein run that gamut. I see. And so you'll find two songs, as I mentioned before, the I Sing to Me song that you were playing earlier. Um, there are two from that project. There are two songs that I wrote with a woman named Joan Spear that are from a full-length musical that we wrote together. Uh, that I performed seven characters in. Uh, so two of the songs from that show are there. There's the theme song for a children's television show called Priscilla Pizzicato and Her Music Room, and I was Priscilla Pizzicato. Um, <laughs> and that's, that was the theme song, which is the first song on the CD, uh, the Pr Priscilla Pizzicato theme song. Uh, there is a medley from when I was an artist in residence um, at a congregational church for seven years, and I wrote a lot of original material for them. There's a medley from a, an artist in residency I did at a synagogue, and I wrote for them over a period of time. Uh, there's a wedding song that I wrote for wow. a specific wow. event um, that's on there. And um, many different kinds of songs are therein. So it's everything from Noisy Joy to the Bonehouse Blues. The part of what you said that is correct is that... Um, the song Noisy Joy and the song The Bonehouse Blues, yes, those refer to my husband okay, okay. and, and uh, are focused on him. But there's another one in addition to that. And then another clarification. So when it mentions poems, does yes. that mean that, that it's and, – and, and again, I, I know that I have to be careful because this is an actual – this is an actual genre. This is an actual industry. Are, are you reading the poems? Is, I don't know if spoken word is applicable, but yes, is, is that – Yes, it's spoken word, but it is very uh, interesting in how that came about because um, my son, for example, wrote one of the poems in response to uh, my husband being on his deathbed. Mm. It's called Remember His Spirit. Mm, and interesting. so the song uh, Noisy Joy that we were just referring to is the music which I wrote that's underneath my recitation of that. Okay. Uh, there's another song uh, called The First Song Ever Sung, and that has a really interesting genesis <laughs> be because um, I sing it. That's the second song on the album. I wrote the, the words and the music, and it was inspired. I was uh, spending a weekend at the yeah, Omega Institute uh, with Music for People organization and um, uh, David Darling at the helm who was fantastic and the last day it was it was may and a beautiful weekend and the last day someone brought in the book i think it was called the first song ever sung um i'm not quite sure but it was a, a native american story and and uh, she read it out loud as a kind of ending and i was very taken by the song and it uh, the story and it inspired the song, which I wrote in the car on the way home <laughs> from <laughs> wow, that weekend. Wow. Now, here's the next part of the Genesis. My son, upon hearing the song, was inspired to write yet another poem. He's quite prolific. And the song called Evolution is very much uh, 
in as I said, inspired by it. And so I read his poem over this music to the first song ever sung. Well, something about that story up until you up until the the Native American reference, I think made me think of uh, your friend Susan Golden and listeners. If you didn't hear that interview, go back and listen to episode forty eight with Susan Golden when you mentioned Shari, the the first song ever sung. It, it made me think of how she talked on episode forty eight uh, about claiming her claiming her singing voice. Um, so you know, there's certainly uh, a, a lot of commonalities that I know. Are, are woven between the two of you. One one other word that I, I focused on as far as, and, and as I mentioned, listeners, you'll see this on Shari's website when you see the cover of the CD. Shari, I'm, I'm going to pick out one of the words in particular associated with your CD. Talk about eclecticism. Well, I wish we were on video at the moment because I'm sitting in the most eclectic of rooms in my <laughs> in my home, my office. Uh, but I have to just digress for a moment. I I was very privileged to attend a school in Greenwich Village in the late 50s and the 60s called the Little Red Schoolhouse. And it's upper school, which started in seventh grade, called Elizabeth Irwin High School. And what was magnificent was we were truly uh, given permission to express ourselves, to be individuals, and to trust our creativity and to use Mm. our adults, our significant adult others, as treasured resources. And if I had never gone on to college or any other uh, education, I would say who I am and how I uh, make my way in the world is really grounded in that. And being an eclectic person, meaning I don't have any one definition. I do a lot of artwork. I've I've done it on commission. I've sold it. I've done it for many, many gifts as I'm doing as we speak. Um, not literally as we speak, but I, I came back from the <laughs> You saw work. the picture in my head. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I came back from, uh, I do multitask, but I'm not <laughs> at, at this moment. Um, but I did come from the, the copper workshop um, in, to get back here in time for you because I'm making a, quite an elaborate a gift with someone at the moment um, as, a, as a gift for, for somebody. But meanwhile, the, the point being that I do a lot of artwork. If I cook, I cannot follow a recipe. Mm. I, I can be inspired by a recipe, but invariably it becomes my own with some extra this and uh, deleting that. <laughs> um, I find that the way I have my friendships, the way I have my relationships, it is really all what I would call eclectic. I don't have any one style. I certainly don't when I sing because I can sing everything from a straight Broadway style to the blues to jazz, folk, um, classical style. I'm not an opera singer, although I can fake that a little bit uh, <laughs> rather well, but, I'm, but I, I certainly couldn't sustain that. But um, the, my style of songwriting is definitely eclectic. And the fact that many of my songs were written for such diverse projects, you know that that also contributes. Yeah, and um, as as you just as you just walked us through, you know the various tracks that are on the CD, and and we can see right there in itself how varied they are from from one to the next. So it it, it is most appropriate that you put the word eclectic on the CD cover. Uh, you know, because of of its diversity as as well as what you just described there. And and I'll digress and go back to, you know, everything that you just said there, this this demonstration of yours of these varied talents, and then your comment about the school being very in support of go ahead and, and, you know, let the inspiration work inside of you. So I'm, I'm talking to the songwriters that are listening to this interview. So much of what Shari has talked about already, and we're not even very far into the interview, is is very educational for songwriters because you're seeing that there are so many different ways and the fact that she talked about her son with the poetry and all these different places where you're finding inspiration, Shari, I think that's a great lesson for the up-and-comers that are listening that are trying to get some tips from you as far as, you know, it's just really, it sounds to me like like you have this approach of just 
don't limit your mind whatsoever. Take inspiration from anything and everything. That's right on. And I will add simply trusting your feelings about these things are so important. You know, not second guessing, um, you know, will it be liked by someone or ah, a group okay. of someone's or uh, will it be accepted by X, Y, or Z? But to truly own it as an expression of who you are, I think that's so, so very important. And then if you decide that you want to put it out into the world commercially or not commercially, um, rather than just having it be something you express but keep private, um, that's a choice. Well, but what about that, though? Because on the one hand, it does say a lot for a person to say, uh, I just want to put out what I really feel, and this is who I am, and this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm feeling and thinking. But there is that pressure from the commercial music industry where, you know, it, it, it has to be a certain length song and it's got to be marketable. It has to sell, you know, it's got to have a hook. It's got, you know, they want all the, it's, it's got to fit into this little box. Is is there room, Shari, for, for the two of those worlds to, to peacefully coexist? Well, I wish we could ask George Harrison that question. That's <laughs> the first person who comes to mind. You know, I was reading through some of the Beatle books just a couple of days ago, sitting at the piano with a friend of mine, and we were just almost randomly um, picking out songs. And they're two very thick vo volumes, and um, there were a couple of songs. The, the meter changes six times in the first page. I mean... You know, I'm using the Beatles as an example, and we could, of course, argue, well, you know, it's the Beatles, but they weren't always the Beatles. True, they were true. starting out and uh, following very much their own muse. I, look, I've done work. People have said to me, um, I'll give you an example. I, I have a, a friend who was getting married, and um, I offered to design the invitations to draw them and to um, address all the envelopes individually. This is a couple of hundred of these. Um, and, you know, I was very much inspired by my love for this person and, and, and for her future mate. And I did my own thing. And then, you know, it's their wedding. They had to decide, um, you know, did they like the size of the font? Did mm -hmm, they like this? Mm -hmm. Did they like that? But my first expression was very much a unique and unfettered one. And then I have to listen because it's not just my project. It, it is a collaboration of sorts. And ultimately, it was my expression uh, with their guidance. And then I wrote a song that was a part of the ceremony for the same event. And um, I also you know, listen to their input. So it's not, you don't do it in a vacuum per se. Yeah, yeah. Um, likewise, uh, as another example, if I'm doing an artist in residency and um, an entire congregation, let's say the uh, the Jewish thing that I did, they, they were doing a whole um, series of stories, different stories, lots of different kinds of stories. And the entire congregation, the children, Children, the adults were all going to express these stories in one way or another. It was my job to say, okay, this story will be done as a chant, and this one will be done uh, as a song, and mm -hmm. this story will be done um, uh, with a dance as part of it. And then I created a character that uh, I performed that wove it all together, and I wrote original material of uh, songs that wove it all together, some of which are on the CD that we've been talking about. And so I had a structure. I was hired. I was paid. There was a structure. Yeah, I didn't yeah. do just anything. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it, I might be the long way, you know, saying the long way of, of what you're talking about, but nothing is done in a vacuum, and yet you can feel pressure if you choose to, or you can look at whatever parameters are given as a kind of uh, creative element, some of the spices uh, that you might cook it with. Well, you know, and you talked about the Beatles, and, and as soon as you started down that road, I started seeing this vision in my head of, you know, if you picture over time, 
uh, for my mind went to a guy like Bob Dylan and then to a guy like uh, Bruce Springsteen and then Bono from U2. And some of the stuff that they put out there was, you know, I, I don't want to be too strong, but I would say courageous, you know, because it wasn't, you know, kind of the mainstream. It wasn't very socially acceptable. But they How said about Joni this is, Mitchell. Exactly. About, uh, exactly. Yeah. So all these. And, and Laura Nero and, you know, so, so many and not just in. In music, I, I went to the Brooklyn Museum yesterday, um, which I had gone to from the time I was a little child. I hadn't been there in quite a few years, and I had, back in the late 70s, had seen Judy Chicago's extraordinary multimedia creation called The Dinner Party. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But after centuries of being given the the male version of history... Uh, including the textbooks that are used up till today, mostly. Um, Judy Chicago did a tremendous amount of research and had 999 women uh, from all the way from the goddesses and the Amazons uh, mm. up to the, to the current uh, times and created an actual dinner table with runners and plates wow. and all of that in a triangle because that was, of course, a, a very potent female symbol. And each one was uniquely made with a whole team of, of artists and a, a truly extraordinary effort. But it makes me think of, of that. It was so, so potent and extraordinary. Well, now that now that we're getting a little deep here, what about this vision of yours as as of this vision of yours of of music as life experience? Talk about that a little bit. Well, what it first makes me think of when you bring that up is an article that was in the New York Times. It has to be at least five years ago, and I it could be longer, could be a little shorter, about um, how in Africa. When, I think the title was something like When the Music Stopped. And many everyday tasks, not just in Africa, here as well, and, and our, our folk culture is rich with these songs, were filled with everything from the uh, harvesting songs, the lullabies, the, um, you know, picking the cotton, which, mm -hmm. of course, you know, has connotations that uh, uh, and implications. But um, really, music has accompanied everyday life from morning till night forever. Mm. And I think that I love that, and I and I have that in my life. I'm grateful to say some of that is from my experience that I mentioned before at the Little Red Schoolhouse in Elizabeth Irwin, in terms of my roots. But I have to give my my mother credit as well. She's a wonderful singer and pianist, and later uh, in life, okay. cellist. And we wow. sang in the car from the minute we got in till we got out every <laughs> single time. And so I learned probably. 50% or more of the songs that I've done with children over the many, many years that I've worked with children from that experience. Mm -hmm. and that's from the roots of our, of our folk culture. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, people sometimes have said to me, oh, I don't want to sit down at the piano with you and, and sing. You're a professional. And, and I've always said I'm the least snobby professional in the world because <laughs> I love the fact that Everyone has that potential. I'm sure Susan Golden talked about this, the potential to make music. Right, uh, not right. everybody has the potential to be a professional musician, but we've relegated our music to professionals and taken it away from the everyday. And people who are told, oh, you can't, you know, carry a tune in a basket or just mouth the words. You know, many people have said that. My feeling is just sing, just sing, damn it. Just sure, sing. sure. And, and it's an expression of, of our souls. It's about vibration and all the things that Susan has talked about. But it's really part of who we are. So I welcome people to sit down with me and just go through songbooks and, and have fun, whether it's at a party or just an informal visit. 
um, or if I'm elsewhere and, and to do that. I have no problem n- not having someone professional in my ear. I find great joy in that. I like that. I like that. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Connecticut is performer Shari Max. Visit her official website at www.sharimax.biz. It's spelled S-A-R-I and then M-A-X. But you can also just look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of her name. There on her website, you will find the ability to purchase her CD, Noisy Joy to the Bonehouse Blues. There's pretty extensive content on the website, including her contact information if you would like to get in touch. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free and it makes it so easy to get the show every week. It will just download automatically when a new episode comes out so you don't have to go looking for it. If you're a new listener to the show, please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Shari, I was referring to you as a performer, but at the bottom of your website, it actually says workshop designer and leader, artist, and artist in residence. I'm going to exhale because you you wear a lot of hats. For, for now, uh, since we do like to be, we, we do like there to be some lessons that up and comers can take away from the interviews each week. Talk about the teaching work that you do uh, as well as something that you call unrecitals. Mm-hmm. Well, can I digress for just one second? Sure. <laughs> because on my so-called business card or my calling card, uh, which I designed, I wrote, Shari Max is grounded creativity, unbounded enthusiasm, unleashed, no niche, not just out of the box, no box and (laughs) the bottom it says music making performing writing teaching crafting recipes for happy drops and more wow (laughs) so yes i i you know i make joke of it but i i'm very proud actually that i am able to feel free enough to uh, express myself in all those ways absolutely Teaching. Well, I designed a workshop series called Music and Movement and More with Shari Max uh, that I've done for many, many years. And it includes, uh, I usually do it on a theme, so I might do a 10-week series um, called Summertime Patchwork, and it will include a week on uh, sand and um, a week on water and, uh, you know, all different natural elements and the sun. Uh, and then we would do an art project that, uh, for instance, the sun, we would we would make a suns out of multimedia, you know, tissue paper and cardboard and, and buttons and you name it, um, markers and paint. And then we would listen to songs having to do with the sun, whether it was um, uh, a piece that was from... Uh, Duke Ellington or uh, the Beatles piece, Here Comes the Sun, and we would sing some songs, You Are My Sunshine, as an example, and do movement surrounding that. So each. So, so this is all being done in person, right? This is not something person. that somebody can, can contact you yes. because they want to do it over Skype. They, they need to be there in Connecticut with you. Well, I will tell you honestly, uh, I'd be willing to try and do it via Skype with someone. Why not? Okay. We, we would have to discuss uh, what materials to get, but I don't think there's any reason we couldn't do it via Skype. Great, great. Um, as far as that being one of the ways that I express myself as a teacher and workshop leader, that's been a wonderful experience for me. And from doing that with young children, I have then had a number of them participate in semi-private lessons having to do with voice and piano and learning to read music. And from there, private lessons, everything from beginner guitar to piano, also songwriting um, and, and so forth. And I've had many students that started when they were two and a half, three three and a half years old with me who left me only when they went on to college and they've become (laughs) my honorary kids or grandchildren or whatever you'd like to call them. Um, I've done multimedia classes with art as well. 
Um, one project, for instance, that I did at a number of schools, and this was more high school, and I did do one that was intergenerational where we used a senior center and a high school group together. I took a mirror and broke it into fragments, and they... Uh, Uh-oh, Uh-oh. Were... All, the, all, the people that, all the people that have that... That uh, superstition just got just got real scared when you said that. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a superstition. Well, you could just take well, pieces a, of a mirror a that mirror. aren't yeah. broken. Um, <laughs> okay, I, don't, okay. I don't care what kind of mirror you use. But the point <laughs> being that they would create a, an art piece using those pieces, but they would look in the mirror and look in the, the pieces of the mirror and decide what they saw. It could be themselves or it could be something that was reflected in the mirror and create a multimedia piece that way using words as well. Wow. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus, and this is based on something I witnessed firsthand a couple nights ago, a band being all set to go and you're not there at the scheduled start time, not to mention them not knowing if you'll show, is not good. Especially when a band member says that for that same venue the week before, you didn't show up at all. You don't want that kind of reputation, no matter how good your voice is. Accountability, reliability are important. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. What about this, as you call it, unrecitals? Tell, tell well, the listeners about unrecitals. I've had so many adult students and also parents of children that I'm teaching say to me, oh my God, the biggest nightmare I ever had was when I had to do a recital and, and I would want to you know, upchuck and, I'd, and my hands would sweat and I'd want to run out of the room. And sometimes I've, I heard people say they did run out of the wow. room and they were just terrified and they never wanted to play again, etc. So my thoughts were, what, what is the purpose of that torture? You know, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. someone is interested in becoming a professional, you know, violinist or pianist or whatever, and they want to go through the rigors that that uh, entails, that's a choice. And then you have to deal with those kinds of very formal situations. But 99.9% of the people that have come through my workshops or my lessons, they're in, in music really for the, the gut level enjoyment and to, to know that they have some education and they could become educated listeners. And, and although I have had several students go on to become professionals uh, as performers or in the business, like in the sound end of things or mm-hmm. lighting, um, you know, mostly as as people who are learning to sing or play, that's not what they're doing. So why torture them? So what I started to do, I had about 25 private students at the point that I came up with this idea, was to have what I called an unrecital. Everyone came together and all their significant others as well. Mm -hmm. Of course, I would feed everyone because I'm Mother Earth (laughs) (laughs) as part of it. And we'd have, you know, several hours together uh, at my house on the lake. It was always quite wonderful and if someone did not want to play they did not have to if they wanted to play and use the music that was fine no Mm -hmm. one was required to memorize anything if they wanted to play just the right hand of a piece that was fine too (laughs) if they wanted to play only the left hand if they wanted to have one of their uh, cohorts play one hand while they played the other Uh. it mattered not And guess what? By being given that freedom, everybody participated. And I always started off by being the first one to play. And the the other part of this very important equation was that I said up front, mistakes are welcome. Because (laughs) I knew that there was no one, including myself, who was going to get away with playing or singing without me. Making a mistake, and you know what, Yasha Heifetz and 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 uh, you know uh, Yehudi Menuhin and uh, Joshua Bell and everybody else in the in the the world that we think of as rarefied air, Leonard Bernstein, you whoever you know, uh, Audra McDonald, uh, who was just named as one of the mo- hundred most influential people in the world. Everybody 
makes mistakes. Some some of us cover them up better than others. <laughs> some of them use them creatively, as Susan well Golden, I'm sure, has uh, talked about no wrong notes as part of the philosophy of the Music for People organization. So it gave my students a lot of freedom to yeah. feel um, comfortable and to yeah. feel unafraid and as soon as you're unafraid you can be brave yeah you took the word out of my mouth that i was going to say it, it you know it just gave a you know you said comfort level i was going to say it, it it removed the opportunity for them to be uncomfortable so i i really admire that that's a that's a very unique approach that you took there and, and you also have some thoughts that i'd like you to share with the listeners on writing songs as cathartic and universal experience expressed. So, so go ahead and share those insights with the listeners as well, please, if you would. Well, as we walk through each day, we have unique experiences. Each time you go to the local coffee shop and pick up a, a you know coffee to go or to stay, for that matter, there's a different cast of characters there's a different temperature in the room there's a different kind of light coming through the window there's different ambient sounds and if you know how to be a really superb listener and and through the music for people organization i learned about wa matthews books one of which is called the listening book another is called a musical life and it's all about being attuned very acutely to your environment. Once you know how to do that and you know how to filter that through all of your senses, then you can start to express that through creative arts. That's tremendous. What a tremendous observation. And and again, just great, great insight for the listeners who are songwriters because that's that's such a unique approach. And, And at the same time, it sounds dare I say, logical, it's just going to open you up to to fulfill your potential that much more. Absolutely. And one of the key albums that will help you understand that, if it all sounded like a conceptual gobbledygook, is Paul Simon's Hearts and Bones. I go back to that album over and over again. There's a song about allergies. There's a song about, <laughs> a riff about math. Um, wow. It, it It is the absolute um, perfect example of what I'm talking about. Mm. And talk about someone who trusts himself and trusts his creative uh, instincts and able to apply his creative juices to them um, fully. It's just thrilling to, to read his lyrics and to listen to the music that he writes that goes together so well with it and then for him to perform. And he's another example. He's not the world's greatest singer uh, by any means, but he's able to marry the song with his voice right, so beautifully. Right. It's, yeah, it's thank really you for thank you for giving superb. that example because I think that will help listeners who really want to kind of delve a little bit further into this. And and by the way, I should mention uh, for those skeptics in the audience. Shame on you. I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry. I, I I think it would be good to get it right from the source. What, what I'm referring to is when, when people are evaluating a potential teacher, they like to know their credentials. And, and you, in fact, wow, worked with and, and were mentored by some people with tremendous credentials of their own. Lou Soloff, uh, Ellie Stone, Maureen Holbert, Helen Gallagher. There's a big, long list of them. Sylvia Sims, Harry Max, and, and even uh, Ron Modell, who is the guest on my show a couple months ago, episode 57 to be exact. Listeners, if you want to go back and listen to my interview with one of Shari's mentors. Uh, Anyhow, Shari, that list of names, uh, the experience and the knowledge you gained with all of them? Uh, Would you like me to talk about them individually? No, no, no. Just just the the group on the whole, just just the opportunity that you had, the experience that you gained, the, the knowledge that you gained from from being able to to be in the company of of that type of crowd over the years. Yeah. Well, I think it it's distilled down to what Ron talks about. I I, I can't remember. I did listen to your um, interview with him twice, and I uh, because I've read so much of his material, and I've heard him. Uh, <laughs> we've known each other over forty five years. Um, I can't remember if it was on 
your your interview or or if it was some other source and it might have been both but uh, or all of the above but he talks about how 50% is learning the technical side that could mean you know how to sing it how to play it how to do both how to write it well how to do all all of the above but to take care of the technical side of things mm-hmm. and the other 50% is about the emotions and and uh, all of the kishkas, the guts that go into <laughs> all of it. And um, when you put the two together, it's synergistic and, and you get more than the sum of, of uh, the parts. And so that's really what working with all of these fantastic people uh, gave to me. Um, and I do have to single out two of them. Harry Max, who was my high school music teacher and became my husband and the father of my child, um, who played piano, bass, violin, and trumpet mm. and was an extraordinary arranger. He was, wow. in Chuck, he was Chuck Mangione's first bass player wow. at the Eastman School of Music. And uh, talk about eclecticism, played with Orchestra Harlow, one of the greatest Latin bands, and with klezmer groups and you name it, everything in between. Um, he actually wrote the music to one of the songs that's on my CD. Um, so, you know, that is just another example of someone who uh, has owned so much of his creativity and uh, was a wonderful technician as well as able to express himself. Mm-hmm. Lou Soloff, I, I have to say, he was the trumpet player who was in the original Blood, Sweat and Tears, made the solo in Spinning Wheel, uh, world famous to this day. Uh, he is iconic, died very, very suddenly in March at the age of 71, and um, we're all shocked and saddened. He um, truly one of the greatest musicians to walk this planet and played in um, uh, symphony work, did, was Barbara Streisand's first trumpet player, played mm. with Frank Sinatra, but also played um, every kind of music, was Gil Evans in the Gil Evans Orchestra for many, many years. Um, I could go on and on yeah, about Lou. Yeah. I imagine, but, and, and, and actually, you know, speaking of big names, uh, we do like to have fun on the show and, and have the, the entertainment aspect for the listeners as much as the educational aspect. You performed for celebrities doing both private and public gigs. Talk, talk about some of those. <laughs> well, the first one that everybody asks me about is Madonna. Um, Madonna was jogging with the wife of the former uh, owner of Studio 54 who Mm -hmm. went on to own hotels like the Delano in Miami. Blanking on his name at the moment doesn't matter really. But she was saying that she wanted to have a party for her daughter, but it was going to be a party for adults and kids together. And uh, this woman said, um, and the name is on the tip of my tongue, uh, she said, um, oh, Ian Schrager, that's who it was, Ian Schrager's wife. And they had just had me at, at their mansion in the Hamptons uh, to do a huge party. There were at least okay. a couple hundred people there. And she said, oh, we just had her, and she, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so Madonna's people called me, and, you know, 500 phone calls. Calls later, <laughs> I was doing a, a, a private party in a, a rented apartment at the Majestic right across from the Dakota wow. Um, wow. on Central Park West. And um, she had flown in thousands of yards. It was an empty apartment, so she could use it as her palette, you know, uh, blank slate. Thousands of yards of raw silk. This was during her big um, oh my gosh. romance with India and, oh and everything gosh. Indian. And uh, brought in chef and cooks from uh, to do Indian food. Brought in a dance group that performed for 20 minutes from California. Wow, wow. <laughs> Sting was there, Rosie O'Donnell, boy, the oh whole, you know, New York Expense. Proud. And yeah, and and me. <laughs> and me. Well, that's so. that's obviously you know good company that you're in, but you know obviously the you know the story the 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 part of that story rather that I like is that and again this is this is a much 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 bigger scale. But listeners, how many times those of you that have been listening regularly, how many times have you heard me say that as many times as you've heard it said before, you do never know 
who might be at one of your shows. And look at this, you know, Shari said that the conversation manifested itself by way of being able to say, she just performed for us at our, at our event at at our party recently. And so as a result, the next thing you know, she's getting booked to, to perform for Madonna. So never sell short (laughs) the concept that somebody might be there. That's going to be the gateway to your next booking. Well, I had another example that's a terrific one for you. I was doing a Christmas fair. I worked at every school, every library, every church, every synagogue, every corporate thing in New York City for many years. There were years in a row that I was doing 350 shows a year. Wow. And, and so one time I was doing one of the very upscale schools that was in a church on Park Avenue and 60th Street, um, their Christmas fair. And, and hundreds and hundreds of people were coming through there throughout the day. And one of them was Jill Kremens, who in her own right is a celebrity, a, a wonderful photographer. I think she was the, only, the first female uh, photojournalist to go to Vietnam. But she's also published many, many, many books of her photography and uh, books for adults and for children. One called The Writer's Desk, which is all about writers. Um, and I could go off on a whole tangent with that, which I won't. But she was married to Kurt Vonnegut. And she called me immediately. She got my card and she said, in two weeks, I'm having our slash uh, Christmas party, birthday party for our daughter. Um, and I would like you to please come and perform. And I said, I'm really sorry, but December, I already have 43 shows wow. booked and I can't do it. Well, she called me and called me and called me. I never did more than three in a day because I wanted the last one to be as fresh as the first one. And I have a tremendous amount of energy, but I really know my limits. But she was so persuasive and she said, okay, I really need you to do it, blah, blah, blah. Well, I show up and there's Frederica von Stada and Estelle Park. Parsons and Morley Safer and the who's who of New York intelligence you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and uh, the performing arts. And of course, uh, uh, there's Kurt Vonnegut in his frumpy sweater and everybody else is all dressed to the nines. <laughs> and I ended up doing that show and I did it five years running. Wow. wow. And it was quite something. And I, it spawned a tremendous amount of work for me, both in the uh, business world as well as That's in the terrific. private world. And I'll tell you just quickly, the the um, thing that was so interesting was I would do private parties and invariably people would come up and say, oh, you know, can you come and do my law firm or my corporate wow. this or, or wow. you know, my church that? Or I would be at a, a corporate thing and people would say, oh, could you come do a private party? So they fed one another uh, for yeah, many, it sure many, sounds many like years. It. it sure sounds like it. I am Bruce Wozniak and joining me today on the Now Here This Entertainment guest line from Connecticut is I'm going to say performer, but that's just because the list is way too long to read of all the hats that she wears. It's Shari Max. Visit her official website at www.sharimax.biz. It's spelled S-A-R-I and then M-A-X. Uh, but you can also just look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of her name. There on her website, you will find the ability to purchase her CD, which is called Noisy Joy to the Bonehouse Blues. There's pretty extensive content on the website, including her contact information if you'd like to get in touch with her. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's spelled H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too, friends, family, neighbors, relatives, coworkers. Subscribing is free. It makes it very easy, very convenient to get the show every week. It downloads automatically each time that a new episode comes out. If you are a new listener to the show, please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We talked about the one with Ron Modell, one with Susan Golden. There's been a lot of great guests along the way so far. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Shari, we were talking about celebrities you performed for. Back in the intro of this show, I mentioned that you've done over 6,000 performances to date. And mind you, in every kind of venue and for audiences of of all ages, it's said. So uh, obviously that would imply that um, as young as children and, and presumably as old as seniors... 
Absolutely, and everything in between. And, some, <laughs> and, and my favorite audiences are intergenerational. When, when I did my seven years as artist-in-residence at the Congregational Church in, in uh, Washington, which is a beautiful spot, its time has uh, stood still on the green there, uh, one of the things I instituted was the Intergenerational Talent Festival. And it mm. was a marvelous experience. And I wrote some original material for that, but mostly it was helping people uh, come together of all ages to express themselves through music, through sculpture, carving, you name it, storytelling. It was it was thrilling. It was really thrilling. And it, it, it actually... I, I don't know if, if you want to hear a little bit about the roots of the um, uh, creation of the character that I did as a musical performer for children. Do, well, do actually, I, I was going to tell people that on your website, there's a section focusing on you as Princess Priscilla. And, and listeners, when you go to sharimax.biz, that part of the website is called For Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, that you can click on and and yes, um, tell us about tell us about Princess Priscilla and and that work in your life in well, your Princess career. Princess Priscilla, the lady music clown. So <laughs> uh, to be as succinct as possible, um, I joke and say that my only civilian quote unquote job was when I worked for the mayor's office of New York. They had something called the the mayor's voluntary action center. It was a paid. Pr- position that I had, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was coordinating volunteers who wanted to perform at nonprofit agencies like nursing homes and senior centers and daycare centers, etc. By the time I finished my two years there, I was booking 80 shows a month. Oh my gosh. And one of my jobs was to uh, take the resumes of people who wanted to perform, and it was everything from rank amateurs to professionals. And wow. to match them appropriately with the agencies that were asking for the ah, performances. Okay. And so that was a really interesting job to have, and it helped me run my own business oh, I'm of sure. performing. I'm sure. But meanwhile, the way this came about, I had truly from the age of 12 on been performing at children's events just with the guitar and singing. I had mentioned earlier those songs that my mother had taught me, who was a wonderful um, nursery school teacher and kindergarten teacher and and, uh, singer and and, uh, pianist. And so I I had always done music with kids and it was very easy for me uh, in terms of the interpersonal aspects. But one of the people that I booked through the Mayor's Voluntary Action Center was a a clown named Sandy the Music Clown. Mm -hmm. And uh, one time when I went to audit one of his performances at a health fair, I gave him a ride back to the city from Queens, and I taught him a couple of wonderful children's (laughs) songs. And, of course, he didn't know me in that persona at Uh all. uh And he said, how do you know these? And I said, well, I've done what you do, just not in costume. (laughs) And he called me a couple of weeks later. He said, you know, I have jobs I can't do because I don't have a car and I can't get out to Westchester or Long Island. and uh, Or sometimes I'm just booked and I can't be in two places at once. Would you be interested Uh, in doing some of that? And I said... Uh, it sounds like fun. And I was doing performing, you know, with club dates and, and big band stuff and cabaret at that point. Um, but being the eclectic person I am at heart, it really was not a stretch to say yes to that. It was absolutely, you know, delicious to think about doing that. And it's really amazing what happened because knowing that sometimes these people would be expecting someone in costume who was a music clown, I had to invent a uh, musical clown persona. And that's how Princess Priscilla came about. And the princess part was really in order to put on its head the idea that you know princesses are sort of dumb blonde weak you know i would pick <laughs> i would pick children up over my head and you know do really funny zany things <laughs> with great props some of which which I made, some of which I bought, you know, watermelons that had uh, kazoos in them and giant toothbrushes, you know, four foot long with maracas in them and uh, tons of things like that. So that's how that came about. (laughs) And he he retired very shortly thereafter and became a child psychologist. Oh, my gosh. I went on on to be named the top female children's entertainer in New York. Wow. Wow. How about that? Talk (laughs) about passing the torch. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, 
he, I mean, he said to me years later, he said, you know, the music part I had down, but I never really knew anything about clowning. And uh, I, of course, okay. went to the best. I went to Mark Stolzenberg, who was a great and still is a great classically trained clown. And I learned how to clown for, boy, for oh real and do the physical stuff, unicycling and all that. Boy, oh boy. So... Yeah. <laughs> well, Shari, as we get ready to wrap up, uh, what what are some of your current and, and future performances and uh, in, in, in teaching or, or workshop events? Um, I'm teaching at the Warner Theater School right now. It's the Warner Theater Center for Arts Education doing something called Mini Broadway. And that's and where is that? In Connecticut? It's in Torrington, Connecticut, at the wonderful, uh, fully restored Warner Theater. Okay. And the that's attached to it. There's also something called the After School Arts Program that uses all working professionals um, as their workshop leaders. And I'm doing a series now, and we'll be doing another series and a summer series with that. Okay. Uh, I'm doing you know quite a bit of coaching right now. People who are auditioning for um, musicals, both in New York and here. And I have one student, an adult student, uh, who's a fabulous uh, burlesque performer and dancer, does uh, kimono dancing. Wow. And uh, yeah, she's she's quite prolific. And she always wanted to sing when she danced. So I've, I've been working with her lately. But um, I mentor quite a few people. I have um, a performance coming up, and I'm sorry to say I don't have the date. It will be on my website. Okay. Uh, uh, off the top of my head, but it it is part of a Voices of Poetry event, but I'm doing the musical segment, and I've invited one of my former students, who's a fantastic guitarist, uh, and now Sam Laser, who will uh, be accompanying me as well. well as that, that will be in Connecticut also? Um, that's going to be, yes, I believe it is going to be in Maryall. Okay. Um, I don't have something on the books in, in New York at the moment because I'm trying to, uh, write some new materials. So I'm, I'm not really putting out the feelers to do anything in that respect at the moment, but stay tuned. Yeah, absolutely. It gives, as, as, as I've said on other episodes, it gives the listeners that much more incentive to, uh, to make sure that they, that they check out your website. So lastly, we're going to close today with a song of yours called The Bonehouse Blues. Um, you, you, you mentioned before, you know, uh, where that came from, but just anything, anything additional that, that you want to point out about this song before we I, play it? I definitely do. First of all, Lou Soloff's trumpet solo um i i get the chills just thinking about it and it's so that that much more meaningful now that he is so suddenly gone um but i didn't mention there are 15 of new york's finest musicians on this cd mm. and the drummer was liza minnelli's keyboard player for <laughs> many years and gregory hines drummer for many years so wow. rick cutler um and uh, the bass player, uh, Boots Mallison, he was, not just was, but Ron Carter, who's considered one of the greatest yeah, bassists yeah. of all times. When Ron Carter has his nonette, his, his nine-piece band, uh, Boots is, is his bass player. So you can imagine how well-respected uh, he is. I won't say more about it. Just listen. And on my website, there's lots of details about the music and how it came about and who's playing and why and all of that. So Terrific. Uh, terrific. Yeah. Well, Shari, thank you ever so much. Fascinating conversation this afternoon, as, as I knew it would be. I really enjoyed speaking with you. My pleasure, truly. And I'm, I'm glad to... Uh, to share the freedom that I have experienced in my creativity. Anybody who wants to contact me, I'm happy to mentor. Terrific, terrific. Well, I will close, as always, by formally thanking my guest. Today we heard from, I'm, I'm going to try to go for almost the whole list here. Today we heard from performer, singer, songwriter, actress, workshop designer and leader, artist in residence, clown, <laughs> a woman of many hats, Shari Max. Visit her official website, at www.sharimax.biz. And again, that's S-A-R-I-M-A-X dot biz. Or just look for the spelling of her name in the title of this episode on your listening device and then put dot B-I-Z after her name. Remember that on her website, you can purchase the Noisy Joy to the Bonehouse Blues CD 
And you can also check out the children's music on there. Plus, yes, there is a contact section, of course, if you'd like to get in touch with her. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. That's it, just one field to complete. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, uh, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating that truly does help the show a lot, and I'm very grateful for those of you that are doing that. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes there, and you can also follow on SoundCloud, which is just like subscribing. Let's get your feedback on the show, too. Post your comments or questions on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter, and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel on nowhearthis.biz, or send us an email. The email address is on the contact page of nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Shari Max. This is the one she just talked about. It's called The Bonehouse Blues. When the body dies, the spirit keeps on giving. When the body dies, the living keep on living With the questions of how and the questions of why The never-ending questions from our first hello to our last I've got the bonehouse blues My man's body is dead and gone I've got the bonehouse blues My man's body is dead and gone The lips I relied upon Went to the deep dark hole And cried out his name He didn't answer Only Mr. Sadness came Looked round the house He was and wasn't there Again Touch his face in the mirror's my blank stare. I got the bold house blues. My man's body is dead and gone. No more hugging, no more kissing. I miss the lips I relied on. Face to face Walking through the world Sometimes in a daze I sense his powerful presence And I feel his love in ways I've got the bonehouse blues My man's body is dead Dead and
Got the bone house blue. 